One used to be more than one's an atheist If separation of church and prostate isn't what you think is best They're here to guide your way Cause talk about sex can be scary They're just two gals whose kink is being your missionaries Good afternoon, brothers and sisters Sup, sluts Welcome to the Missionary Podcast I'm Sadie I'm Maddie And this is our mission I was raised in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as the Mormon Church. I've recently left and only recently became sexually active. And I am a Jew slash atheist who always seeks to be a beacon of sex positivity. We are both infatuated with sex. And we're fascinated by religion. We're here to talk about where the two intersect because the crossover is endless. We're horny, but we're well-rounded. <laughs> Put that on our gravestones. <laughs> and listen, I am sick of shame. I am sick of heteronormativity. And I am ready to get into the nitty-gritty that so many of us are just too afraid to get into. Yeah. And I also think it's worth saying, we're not here to bash anyone's faith or religion. This isn't an anti-religion podcast by any means. And I'm entirely speaking from my experience. I love talking about Mormon culture. Things like Nickmo, the company Modbod. I don't know if you know what those are. And I genuinely enjoy talking about sex, which the church is super sex focused and repressive at the same time, which makes up who I am now. It's still a struggle for me to find the balance between what feels authentic to where I'm at and what I've been told to feel, both by hyper-conservative Mormons and hyper-liberal woke contemporaries. I am somewhere in the middle and luckily have friends like Maddie who help me navigate and get past some of this intense conditioning and guilt. And I will say, a podcast about sex will definitely make you want to do a disclaimer, so don't you judge any of this, both what's coming before or and after, okay? <laughs> and honestly, both of us are still learning. I just want to say, as sex positive, whatever, however you want to label it, as like open as I am, I have a lot of trouble reflecting those beliefs in my own experiences, um, and I'm going to be honest about it. And we're going to be unpacking a lot of this stuff on this podcast because, listen, we're human, we make mistakes, and we're just trying to be truthful, Sadie. I love it. True, authentic, also maybe some free therapy. That's essentially what's <laughs> happening here. I love it. This is the podcast I wish I had when I was transitioning out of the church because, as you know, Maddie, as I've told you, it's a process. And today, that's basically what we're going to talk about. This podcast is, like, dedicated to our backgrounds mm -hmm. since we are kind of like a little yin and yang, but we're also, we're definitely the same flavor of soup. We just, it, well, exactly. I don't want to just let that pass by without acknowledging it. We, I kind of feel like... We're kindred spirits in the way that we feel about sex. We just happened to be raised very differently. Yeah. So it's really interesting for us to talk about it very, with each other. Yes. Yeah. My experience was I didn't just stop going one day. It teeters out and I, this is a tidbit, I don't know if you know, but I wrote tithing checks long after I stopped going. I'm going to need you to define tithing. So tithing is the 10% that every member of the church of their increase you give typically once a month. A lot of people in my ward growing up gave it at the end of the year before. Hold on, hold on, your, tax year. 
ward. So my ward is like a parish. Cool, cool, cool. We got lots of words to describe. I just so, want to get. I want to get this foundation <laughs> set because exactly. these words are going to come up a lot. I've actually become more acclimated to secular speak since leaving sure. because I'm now like I'll say my parish or my group or I'll say district instead of saying like my ward, my branch, my stake. These sure. things that like Mormons actually use. So my ward growing up, at the end of the year, a lot of the like. If you were a wealthy family, usually you just wrote one big check. But it is 10% of your increase. So that's an interpretive phrase. It depends on what you consider an honest tithe. So that's between you and the Lord and your bishop also. Because your payments are verified with your bishop and the clerk. So just, sorry to interrupt, but does, theoretically, does your bishop Mm -hmm. know what your financial situation is like how much you make 100 percent. also it how often you pay and like your honesty and your tithing is up to you do you saying you're paying an honest tithe which you do answer in temple recommend interviews which allows you to go to the temple which allows you to participate in like eternal ordinances so to get married to do certain things you have to be paying an honest tithe no matter how little you were making were you always contributing some sort of tithing. Yes, so you're promised blessings for paying tithing. And there's many, many a story, especially pioneer stories, of like single moms who were struggling to like find flour or ground meal to like make some kind of dough to make some kind of something for their kids. And they gave some of that dough to the church and like some miracle would have happened right after. Like someone would have dropped off a pound of bacon. And so there's all these stories of like, you pay when you pay in the hard times the lord recognizes it specifically okay so i paid all during college and it took it took a bishop telling me you don't have to worry about some of this money before i was comfortable paying like less okay but because i thought i was like this is such an important part of for me it was like a real faith builder and so even when I had thought to myself, I don't belong in the church, this is not for me, I will not be going, I wrapped my head around you know, not raising my kids Mormon, I still was cutting checks. I was like, I don't believe in any of this, but what if I'm wrong? Here's $100, <laughs> like whatever yeah. it was. The point so of all that- It really is, <laughs> it really is a transition is what yeah, you're trying to it's say. Not, it's not overnight you know, just cutting to, ties. It was as hard for me leaving as it was for me staying at times. Like I think people talk about faith crises within the church and we can talk about this because it's very common right now within the church. There's a lot of stuff that's coming up um, specifically in these last couple years that has caused a boom in faith crises. Now there's a lot of people feeling challenged by the church and when I started feeling that I, you, you can feel that in any kind of scenario in any point of your life and like you feel you know sometimes you feel it when you're a teen you're like oh my gosh is this right like there's so much stuff that's happening around me that's not within the bounds of the church and am I on the right path and it takes a lot of work and a lot of discipline and quote-unquote obedience and like quote-unquote faith to build your testimony which is what Mormons use as like their word for like their rock of faith right so if i were to be like why are you mormon i would bear my testimony your stock response yes but that work that i put into it to stay was as is like the same feeling of the work that i put in to leave if that makes sense when i left i wanted people to know it wasn't easy 
I didn't just want to touch a dick without feeling bad about it. I really did. Like, it was a process of, of like, prayer and paying tithing for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And all you want is to hear a voice from someone on the other side of it who sounds like you. You know, it's that idea. It's the idea of representation, which isn't very uh, novel. Like, this all makes sense. You want to hear a version of yourself in some form. And I just wanted to hear a, a woman who valued family and uh, valued herself and was joyful and didn't have the church and did but doesn't anymore and is like as happy as she could be and I feel that now and like obviously we've done the work Maddie (laughs) so much work but for me I'm like I just wanted to hear someone on the other side of it be like I'm thrilled. It's like okay. life is great and I feel like myself and I also like still love so much of this. I still love children. I still love root beer floats. I'll you're never also, stop. <laughs> There'll never be a day that I don't that I don't love a root beer float. And there's something in your head when you're leaving that you're like, am I just gonna drink whiskey on right, the rocks now? Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but from all of the the stuff we've talked about with your upbringing and just being a part of the church, like so much of it is about community and showing up for each other. And you were just surrounded by this like supportive, unconditional community. I grew up in like a liberal white suburb of Boston where I just think like that would have been sort of like the, the quote unquote ideal place to grow up if you want any shot at not feeling shame when it comes to sex and wait why why would you say that there are a lot of like ex-hippies that live there I mean granted like it was also like a wealthy white suburb so there was a lot of like bubble-itis like for example if you were an out gay person granted like there weren't many because even if it was like a liberal community, it still was like the early 2000s. No one gave them a hard time. If it was hard for someone who grew up, grew up where I grew up, in the family I had, yeah. with the friends I had, if it was hard for me to fight shame and to be able to own my sexuality and to sort of like be okay as a woman making decisions for myself if that was hard for me I can't imagine the difficulty that you had and then let alone being like I am consciously deciding to step out of this like yeah I have a hard time not like connecting it to unbrainwash that's a that's a harsh word brainwashing Mm -hmm. and I know people will be sensitive to that possibly but it is different the community you're right the community is strong and the structure is strong and because of that it's a lifestyle Mm -hmm. you know we're not Amish but we are we are we're living it and you go to church sometimes I would go like four times a week in different capacities it really does become your whole world and so the benefits of that are enormous like you said unconditional support anytime I've ever moved People just show up, okay? They sh- they come with their they'll come in their work clothes and bring their workout clothes. Literally, change. sign me up for Mormonism. This is the thing that I'm like. This is I feel like real missionaries should talk about this more because like moving. That's is, the selling point. It's for a sure. dream. You save so much time and money. They show up one time. I was moving and the guys showed up with pizza. They brought me food to pack up my shit and load it into my car, and. <laughs> 
And it's also people that you don't, you're not friends with. Like, in the sense that you're like buds. They're just people who are like, you're in my ward and it's good to help each other, so I'm gonna do it. But that same structure that brings all that goodness is the same structure that teaches you and ingrains in you, like, this is how you feel about your body and this is how you feel about shame. Please call me out if I say something that is like accidentally disrespectful because I don't want to disrespect anyone but I feel like that's a huge part of inadvertent or conscious manipulation that happens in religion etc in any sort of group um you're trying so hard not to say the word cult right now well (laughs) I it's no kind. It I, makes you want. It made me want to start a cult. Honestly, I've left and been like, "What if there was just a community where we all paid a little bit to support each other?" And then I was like, "Oh my god!" I'm but you get to you get to make all the rules instead of racist old white men. Um, so I can just imagine that that community it makes all the other stuff that you're being told that that's getting drilled into you stick. Totally. It makes it so much. It's it's of it's, it's very clever or this is how the lord blesses us and teaches us there's those options okay mm-hmm. manipulation or lessons right <laughs> right i'm right. not one to say me well, neither I mean, me neither we'll never know. but this kind of lays my background of like how i learned about sex but did you ever get the talk or did you ever have someone like <laughs> sit you down and tell you this is how you should feel about sex and does anyone ever look at you and say the word penetration <laughs> growing up <laughs> Uh, if they did, I blocked it out. <laughs> I will say I credit all of my like sex positivity and um, open feelings about sex uh, to like my, f- my friends. I was so lucky as like a teenager sort of when I was coming into my sexuality, I was so lucky that I had all these like dope sex positive all – almost all of them are now out as queer but weren't then you had a cool friend group i had a cool you had euphoria (laughs) you were like living euphoria that's extreme but hello i have armpit hair and i'm sexy because of it on today yeah and i'm still i mean i'm still so grateful for these people because i don't remember aside from that american girl book the I had uh, the guy the care and keeping of you. That's what it is. Yeah. Remember, it was also given in a set <laughs> in a to one of my friends. Set. Like it came with like a set of like guide to being you, and then there's one about like guide to grooming or something like that. I remember being so embarrassed that someone gave it to me, but then when I was alone, I immediately <laughs> flipped to the pubic hair page because I was like, "What, what is, is this? What's gonna happen?" this and it's like a cartoon of like a girl getting like a couple pubes and I was just like this is what what is bodies are disgusting is probably what I thought at the time they are yeah I believe and all animals are scary all animals are scary and all bodies bodies are disgusting (laughs) um but aside from that book my only memory of getting like a sex talk from my either of my parents is when um do you know the song uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light by Meatloaf. <laughs> I'm unfamiliar with Meatloaf's catalog. I think I know. I could do any. I would do anything for love. Is one of his hits. And oh it. sure. Well, he's not known to be a sex symbol. To be clear, right? right. Nor I mean, like an educator or <laughs> anything into what we're talking about. So keep going. 
I've piqued your curiosity. So my, I remember my dad sat me down and made me listen to this song by Meatloaf. Let me tell you, it's a long song. Like, it's not a regular length. It's like American Pie, Bohemian Rhapsody length song. An epic. It's an epic. It's like, um, like if it were a film, it would have two VHS tapes in the box set. You know what I'm saying? So it... Titanic. That's what I was picturing. Mm -hmm. It's like these two people, I think theoretically they're in like high school. They are about to have sex. This is a the, man and a woman. This is the story in the song. Love it. And it, I mean, it's all, it's all explained in the song. Mm -hmm. Towards the end of the song, it's like coming up on it like it's about to happen and it turns into this like big baseball metaphor so there's this announcer being like and uh like he's rounding up on uh, second base here and like they're getting closer and closer to home and now I'm realizing that this is like kind of problematic but what isn't, isn't everything yeah so the woman says verbatim stop stop right there i want to know right now before we go any further do you love me no. will you love me forever none of that rhymed how did that fit into the song um that's fine i just well, keep i could do it but it, it, no one wants that um <laughs> and she's she's basically being like if we're i'm not gonna have sex with you and unless you tell me you love me and that you'll love me forever Will you love me till the end of time? So he thinks about it and is like, fuck, like I really want to like have sex with this girl. Yeah. So he ends up saying, yes, like I, I love you. I'll love you till the end of time. And then he the song, he, he, well, theoretically. They don't get back to the metaphor? No, they do. They, they do, I think. Can't the point is. Metaphor. Yeah. He says, I'll love you till the end of time. And then like the end of the song, he says, so now I'm praying for the end of time to hurry up and arrive. Because if I have to spend another minute with you, I don't think I could survive. So that's how the song ends. And what? My, yes. So my dad plays me this song. And let me tell you something. He is still like when this comes up in conversation, yeah. he's very proud of oh, this yeah. this parenting moment, which I find to be the best part of the story. I mean, it wasn't a short song. He sat down and he played you a long he song. He invested, yes. Yeah. His, his reason for playing this song for me yeah. as my, as like the sex talk was to say that men will do anything mm -hmm. to have sex with you. And you, your takeaway was? Well, my take, like years later, I'm like, well, I wish a man would do anything to have sex with me. I was me. just thinking that. I was like, they will? Like, will they? Because I'm still waiting. <laughs> Where's my text back? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They'll do anything? They can't move their thumbs? Yeah. <laughs> they can't put on a condom? No. Because they can't stay hard oh. long enough? That's another episode. But yes, that was like the only thing I can really, rem the closest thing I can remember to the sex talk. Is there like an alternative, like a Mormon alternative? There, there isn't. There's a, there's a lot of autonomy. Is there, is there a long song that they play, that they no, sit down but you every know what? I child? Just, just before we move on from your story, what <laughs> would the world be like if we didn't have baseball as a sex metaphor? 
to think you think people would have to refer to bodies by like actually what they are if you didn't have just think of how <laughs> many conversations people are like round and suck you know like yes is, although i was gonna say it was very helpful when like in like high school and stuff mm-hmm. but maybe we would have learned to not be afraid of like actually yeah saying like talking about it if we didn't have yes. this like i'm yeah. thinking of some people who probably got a sex talk that's like sometimes you're gonna get pitched something sometimes <laughs> you're gonna swing sometimes you're gonna strike out and you're gonna sometimes get times you're gonna steal a base sometimes oh. <laughs> yeah sometimes like, you're gonna slide into home and you're gonna get dirt all over your butt <laughs> And you're just imagining, like, another person on the other end. Like, what, Dad? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> what? I don't know. Uh, no, Mormons don't... We don't ha- We don't really uh, have a meatloaf song. There's no meatloaf moment. We do love meatloaf. meatloaf. There's a different meatloaf moment. But that's the kind you eat. Mm-hmm. Because it's so organized, like I said. You've got different... Everyone's... Uh, Church is three hours long, and the different hours have different stuff going on. So there's one hour that's kind of like mass, where you take sacrament, et cetera, et cetera. The other hours are um, Sunday school, and then like the either women's group or men's group that you're in, whatever. And it's all organized by age, too. So in those lessons, you have lesson plans that are in books that are specific like numbered for each Sunday of the year and the lesson plans are translated into different languages all over the world so it's like you could be getting the same lesson on a Sunday in Guatemala that you'd be getting in Iowa now that's organization it is organization and it also allows for anyone to be a teacher because everyone who teaches is just a volunteer just a person same way anyone who's a bishop is just a person you just ask a guy just a, any guy can There's, just be a bishop? They're usually dentists. A lot of dentists. A lot. They're just, you have so, your other so career. So the dentist knows how much money I make. Yeah, just a random, he's not a, like a, he is technically a clergyman, but there's no training. It's just, we call them lay persons. So it's an, un, it's kind of a, mo, it's a point of pride too, because you're like, listen, the Lord's church is so perfect, anyone can be involved. People are imperfect, but God's plan isn't. And so we kind of substitute these you know, people into different things. And it also allows you to take ownership of different roles in your ward because they're called callings and you're given a calling. So a bishop is a calling. They pull a man aside and say, hey, you might know why we're here, why you're here. You know, Bill. The dentist. The dentist. We'd like you to be the bishop of the ward. Is that a huge honor? It is, but it is like a lot of people are depressed by it because it's so much work and you do have to sit across from your peers and hear about their marital issues and people come to a bishop for anything they'd come to a clergyman for so and then some in mormon in a lot of mormon scenarios so you're just dealing with so many issues like if your ward is mostly students you've got students coming to you being like like i'm dealing with this trauma and i've got this and i got that and, I can't and you have no school. you have no like psych tra- None. guidance training None. The point of this is, is that your teachers in these lessons, they're all laid out super easy peasy. And every year you have the chastity lesson. Every year? Every year, once a year, you have a chastity lesson. No matter how old you are. No, it starts at 12. It changes based on like your age, right? So the appropriateness and like what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. It also changes based on who's teaching you. Because like I said, it's anyone. So I've gotten a lesson plan from some people who were terrifying, who looked at you 
And like they do a lot, Mormons love an object lesson. It's an easy way to teach. So they'd bring in a pack of gum and it would be like your treat and you're stoked by the way because any teacher who brings a treat you're like yes so they give you they give you some like extra gum right and it'd be on like a little card that says like uh go the extra mile for the lord and you know whatever whatever like it would be something like that so you get your gum and then like a woman would chew the gum and be like that feels very sexual by the way (laughs) you'd get super turned on and then yeah no they do the whole like this is a chewed up piece of gum and this is what oh, you are God. before and like the idea wow. of trying to the also the other one is tube of toothpaste is another one that I've seen a lot where they'd squeeze toothpaste out and go now try to get the toothpaste back in some things cannot be reversed there is an overall arching spiritual aspect of like god can wash away the toothpaste and like he's already he's already atoned for everyone since so like this is you know, spiritually, like, you're going to be fine. You can repent. But that toothpaste is never going back in the tube. And so it is like this, you I can be forgiven, but good luck getting married is really the message I received was like, don't touch anything. You're never going to get married. And you can't get to the highest level of heaven without marriage, which is also a thing. So, wow. So it's not, it's not meatloaf, but it is, it is equally as informative. <laughs> There's no talk of like bodies or consent or things now that I'm like, oh wow, I wish someone just said like, mm-hmm. I mean the basis level of consent is so helpful in talking about sex. Even now as an adult, you're like, did you want to engage in that or nah? Yeah, <laughs> like it's so or nah. I feel like the conversations surrounding consent are way more evolved now than they, like it might sex well be ed. New information. We, it's basically like. If someone says no, no means no. And that was like the extent of consent. Uh, I feel like the message in my end was more like you should say no because it's like your job. <laughs> and he should demand yes because that's like his job. So it is almost it's almost worse than saying no. Yeah. It's like don't say yes, you whore. Mm-hmm. It's like um, those cultures that where like it's rude to accept food yeah, the first time you have to say no five times but but eventually if you're gonna there you know you're gonna so. be eating that custom was adopted in college let me tell you so many people i know and including myself were in this game of like no no you don't stop asking no it was mostly lessons on modesty more than it was lessons on like uh when you got into college, they would get a little bit more. In college, I had this one bishop. This is actually pretty funny. This might not make sense to you at this moment in time, but any Mormons might know. He came to our ward and goes, listen, we're combining the chastity lessons. We're doing both the men and the women. Um, and I'm going to give you guys the graduate lesson because we all know that this ward struggles with chastity. Oh, my God. <laughs> like said to us, you guys are all touching each other. And it's the bishop who hears all of our confessions and you mostly, you only confess sexual sins. So like the idea of confessing and taking something serious to the Lord applies to sex and murder, which are both punished on the same level, repentance wise. The same level? That's what it's taught as. It's also left to interpretation. So some bishops will be like, oh, you messed up, don't do it again. And some bishops will be like, listen, we gotta punish you. People have been excommunicated for different types of uh, fornicating. It depends. It all depends. I just, okay. You get excommunicated for murdering most times. Right, right. You can also get excommunicated for fornicating. Sure. That's just, that's jarring to me. I just, 
Why? Again. Murder is sex. Sex <laughs> is murder. Why is this hard for you to understand? I Sorry, that I is out for a second. <laughs> I'm not trying to pass judgment, but like, but also, what the fuck? I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so. This is all worth saying because I obviously have. I don't talk about this stuff with anybody. Like really now, um, I've done all forms of dating, casual, serious. And I'm in a, like a very healthy relationship currently, so it's not like I'm like walking around going like, guess what my damage is. <laughs> but it's really fun to talk about. Well, it's, it's bananas. It is bananas, and it also like it definitely still lives in me in some place. You were over there, you know, experimenting with body hair and with your friends and with sexuality yeah. and what you like. It was a different uh, journey for me, but I and. Did you have sex ed? Oh, sh- sure. Yeah, we had sex ed. Public you know, school? Public school. I would say it was probably like in in the world of like the, the more legit sex eds, which is not saying much. My sex ed teacher um, was this older woman, Miss Ellis. She had a little microphone. Why? And a little speaker because she had um, like vocal issues. I have this distinct memory. Can you do an impression of the voice? I think it was like very raspy, like ASMR, like ASMR sex ed. So she... Not a bad idea for the record. Very marketable. Yeah. We watched, what was that show, Party of Five? To learn about like teenage pregnancy. And there was one day, the day we were supposed to practice putting the condoms on the bananas, I remember there were two, um, two girls in my class who were like, being disruptive because like we were fucking teenagers and she was like if you two if you two don't stop talking having a side conversation we're not going to put the condoms on the bananas they didn't stop talking because like they were like again like I do not blame them for this um and she was like okay we're not putting the condoms on the bananas so we never put the condoms on the bananas and the first time I ever interacted with a condom was the first time I like interacted with a fucking penis that needed a condom a really interesting question when was the first time you interacted with a condom I'm not gonna lie to you as like sex positive and and like shame free as I like as my like outlook is Mm -hmm. Um, I, I could be better at like bringing it into my own experiences. So I interacted with a condom after I had been like having penetrative sex for a bit. And like I, I still as like an almost 30 year old woman like struggle with like enforcing condom use, which I do think again is like a flaw in the heteronormativity and like the way we socialize mm-hmm. men and women like and again, like, it's gender is not a fucking binary. Like, the way we view sex ed is we are socializing men and we are socializing women. And this is how they should behave in sexual experiences. And I think it, it is not taught, like, it's really not encouraged for women yeah. to be empowered in sexual experiences. And I still struggle with, like, fighting against that today. Miss Ellis didn't really help me super in a big way relatively speaking to like it's not like it was abstinence only it's not like it was the pack of gum you know like we were 
taught about contraception. This is this is bringing me back to my uh, my stupid little saying earlier. Where this we are yin and yang, but we are the same flavor as soup, <laughs> which I'm gonna stick with, even though I've never said that in my life. But I like it. No, I like it too, and I think the flavor of soup changes based on the day. It does. <laughs> But it does show that it's like there are some things that are uh, universally just a struggle. Like I don't mm-hmm. think everyone just escapes a, at least in our age group and where where we're coming from. I think right. we kind well, of are exposed to a similar. And vibe. like yes, I was not raised on like religion, but I was raised in a patriarchal society. You know. Oh. I just have a quick question because I, you mentioned before when we were talking about the bishops being dentists, etc., mm-hmm. that you talk to the bishop about sex and murder, but and sex. murder. <laughs> Maddie, stop asking. Yes, I'm so fixated on this sex thing. <laughs> stop asking about sex. I could, I can give two shits about murder. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Honestly, um, so could the Lord. He's more focused on on sex. Yeah, clearly, he really is. yeah. I'm just curious because when I'm if I'm thinking about like a teenage girl, mm-hmm. um, needing to go confess. I don't know what you call it, but confess. You know, it is talk, confession. Okay, yes, yes confess so, about my sexual acts, whatever those yes. may be. I actually don't know what those look like for a Mormon teenager. Like what kind of thing you would confess, but I. In my mind, like, that's traumatic. At its bones, you have to talk to the bishop to be absolved of certain sins. Really, you need to have this experience. And so it's up to you, like, your personal discretion. So you maybe go and you participate in some kind of sexual act, which I will tell you. You masturbate. This is a common thing. I don't know if you've heard of it. Masturbation? (laughs) (laughs) Heard of it? I invented it! So if you masturbate, like boys, teen boys have had so many of the same experience of like masturbating. And then at 13 or 14, which by the way, lol at how many, like just, I can't even imagine having a penis at that age. Horrific. Oh my God. I know. As hard, as hard as it is to to be a a female bodied person. Yeah. yeah. It's can't even imagine. So um, they go to the bishop and they say like I masturbated or whatever and so many of them have a similar story of the bishop going like this is wrong like the lord didn't give you this to play like it's not to play with it's meant to procreate and creation is the center of everything so you kind of get buried into this shame where like a lot of men experiment with porn that turns into a secret addiction like later in life and it's this really dark thing because at first they were told don't ever do this so it becomes something else same thing with women it's like you could go in and say for example um maybe you dry humped with someone which oh, I, <laughs> literally was my mo like uh, girl we are the same soup <laughs> i wish i wish that dry humping was still celebrated the way it was when we were teens <laughs> There's more, I feel like you get, there's a higher percentage of finishing with a dry hump. I couldn't agree more. Would it's you, my favorite thing. I would rather you, dry hump for hours <laughs> than do just about anything just, else. Just really get a good chafe on. Yeah. It's, Gorgeous. It's a thing. I felt bad enough dry humping that I would be like, I, I need to schedule an appointment with the bishop. I need to go meet with them. No matter if I was yeah. in a new ward, sometimes you don't know them and it's just, like, just the oh worst. There's this one time I confessed to triggering. a bishop. Yeah, and I... <laughs> 
wanted so bad because you get a calling and they, they meet you and decide like where they what group they want to put you in like for leadership roles and stuff like that and I was so used to like being a teacher and being in certain roles and so it's like I meet the bishop and I'm always like hey it's me I'm Sadie you're gonna kind of like me I sometimes I tell some jokes and sometimes I you know whatever like I'm 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 down I'm super supportive like I work really well on the women's groups blah 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 and then when you first meet them you like want this good impression of like I'm reliable and like I'm gonna be a good member of the world and, and I then, dry humped last night to, yes. so it's like you just I just met this one guy and I had to go in and be like hey and he's like so glad to have you in the ward and I'm oh. like yeah um, I want to talk to you about some other stuff. You might find this fascinating. Some would call it a form of manipulation, but it is a mix of you've done so wrong that like how amazing is it that like God still loves you because you've really fucked up. But but God is very disappointed. But God in you. is disappointed, but He loves you so much that He's gonna get past it, and like you're gonna you're yeah. gonna get past this, and so. Any those like gr- the dry humping and the like mm. masturbation that's like the gray area where a lot of my friends would be like I'm not making an appointment with the bishop and I was always like so I feel really really bad yeah. about some of this and then there is more of like a, uh, a less dry area a wet area if you will with oral sex which isn't the, it's not the caliber it's not the same caliber as penetration which is why you get so many weird interpretations I don't know if we talk about what docking is in Mormon culture um uh, it's like you just you put it in for just a second and you don't move it around. And you just leave it there. And some people don't. They're like, we don't have to tell the bishop about that because it didn't move. I knew a girl who did anal with her boyfriend a lot. And they but were it like, didn't count. It didn't count. You know, they were trying their best to be like, we can't feel, we shouldn't feel bad about this. Dry humping is called so many different things too. But like there's so many Mormon words for it. And because it is like the... Uh, is the piece de resistance you know you get to make out girl i can making out is like in provo people talk about making out the way provo provo utah so it's where like byu is oh oh it's a place got it yeah um people talk about (laughs) uh i know i talk about it like it's like mecca in provo people talk about making out the way that like you'll hear fuck boys talk about like getting nudes like you ever like hear just like really sexually forward people like me not even dudes like I've been like listen I'm trying to I'm trying to find some things you know like mama's got some work to, like you, in Provo it's the same talk but it's around kissing someone You're which like, is also my favorite thing I'm gonna try to get in there I'm gonna kiss her never gonna call her back bam 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 like it's like you know I just gotta get my kiss on I gotta get a little cuddle really really scratch that itch okay so so would these would these fucking playboys it's not even the boys by the way this is a and this it's is anyone yeah play people yeah <laughs> would they tell the bishop about making out no I'm so I'm making so stuck on this fucking out, bishop making thing. out is making out is another gray area it's like only if like a bra comes off maybe you'd want to tell the bishop it's all interpretive and it's all based on your shame level and your uh devotion to okay. like the process of repentance so but but this is the thing this was the equalizer and you're gonna love this is oral so like oral you gotta talk to the bishop sex you gotta talk to the bishop mm-hmm. everything else Gray. It depends it. on how goody two shoes you are, basically. Which I felt I was I was leaning goody two shoes with this stuff in this in this arena. I was sore, sure. but like you know, it was good. <laughs> um, you sit in your ward, and you could see based on who wasn't taking the sacrament, who was either getting or receiving oral. And let's be honest, the women weren't receiving any. Okay, like if you're looking at your ward, you're not looking at. I'm not looking at my friend Susan passing the sacrament past her just going, well, I can't take it, thinking, 
oh, she probably got domed. You're like, girl, you definitely. Okay, so re- I wanted to ask you, what the does the, the, yeah, like, so if, let's say you dry humped, you dry, dry humped. humped. Again, depends on the bishop, depends on the severity of the dry humping, the frequency of the dry humping. Okay. If I was a chronic dry humper, the bishop would go, listen, you can't take the sacrament for six months. Example, like, I wouldn't be able to take the sacrament for six months, is what you're saying. As a chronic dry humper. Yes, yeah. You would be Just kidding. really punished. In my dreams. Yeah. Okay, so you, you. You wouldn't be able to take the sacrament as a Jew. Uh-huh. I'm going to need you to. So just the sacrament, that. it's very similar to the Catholic sacrament. Uh, Is that the eat the eating eating, eating crackers? Those and, crackers. Okay. Mormons, yeah, the crackers and the wine. Mormons do literal bread and water. So someone brings okay. a loaf of bread. Doesn't really matter what it is, as long as it's blessed. Water doesn't really matter as long as it's blessed. Okay. So uh, it's blessed, and it is like the physical reenactment of. It represents the blood and body of Christ, but in Catholicism, it's like this is literally his blood now. Yeah. In Mormonism, it's you are recommitting to your baptism. Okay. So it's almost like you get baptized every week and like recommit and like re-Mormonize yourself with the sacrament. It's like if you if you couldn't go to church at all, say you're traveling or whatever, your family would be like, we'll pop in for sacrament and then we'll bounce. Because that's the whole reason you go to church is to partake of the sacrament and go, hey, God's so Mormon, love you. You're the number one. Okay. And We're- not being able to take the sacrament is like being cut off from your blessings as a member of the church. And everybody can see it. <laughs> everybody That's... can see it. Because you see people pass it down. And it you cannot help, no matter how just magnanimous, loving, all those things you could be, <laughs> you're still going to be like, oh. Okay, Cheryl. Yeah. Okay. No, I guess she passed it again. I think she didn't take it last week. So that's two weeks. And that means... She's had a dick in her mouth. You'd want to watch like the hot guys. There's a guy named Brock. Oh my gosh. I'm, if anyone heard I'm this. picturing Jess from Gilmore Girls, by the way. He's, no. <laughs> Honestly, now still tops and like this, there's no, I don't know if he would ever get this back to him, whatever. He is stunning. Like he is a model. Um, and I'm not interested anyway. But the <laughs> idea of him being hot, I feel like I need to clarify these things because I'm like, in my head, Brock's going to know that I talked about him. But we'd watch Brock and just be like, like, did anyone see it? Did Brock take it? And then which which female didn't do it? And that's who. And so you'd be like, is he? Is he? And it's also like, is he being good? Because like either we can help him get closer in the church or know which ones to avoid. There's like, such oh, a narrative. He's having sex. Like, he's not the one I should date. Like, he's not. He's not a good priesthood holder. He's not going to be the husband he's for me. He's not the husband for me. The, all of this, all of the things I've been telling you is just to paint you the picture of like the unprogramming that goes and like that took place and is still taking place and why I'm so infatuated with sex. I've heard Mindy Kaling say that like as a late bloomer, she will always be a little horn dog. Like it will yeah. always be yeah. like giddy inducing to like, what's just talk about this nonsense. Like, oh, boner. Like, it's fun, you know, talk about mm-hmm. that stuff. I was also a late bloomer. And I feel the same way. My, my friends and I used to play Spin the Bottle. Every every weekend we were playing Spin the Bottle, like three Friday, Saturday night, like all the time. That's like a college bad boy game. Well, way, you know, I tried – that's amazing because I tried to play it once in college and everyone was like, Maddie, what are you doing? Friends <laughs> <laughs> like, um, just talk to the person you like. Just to tie it back to you transitioning out of the church, mm-hmm. like – Tie it back. Tie it back. I just think that – 
I can't even imagine how pu- putting all of this together, like how much, like how complicated that would be. Well, good. Because and, the whole point of this is for you to feel sorry for sorry. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> no, but I'm just really glad we're doing this podcast, I guess, because like, you know, when you talk about wanting to be the voice that you wish that you had on the other side. Yeah. Um, I do feel like if one person, even my friends who are married and maybe transitioning out of the church or um, like with kids and like different stages of life, like if any one of them were to like feel uplifted in the slightest way, then that is truly enough. And I do (laughs) find like people reach out to me organically about different questions, whether they're staying or going. And it's, I've not uh, positioned myself like that thus far they could hear it and enjoy it like then that's a and good thing. hear it and enjoy it and also know like just because you're leaving this world mm-hmm. that has made all these rules for you yeah. that that doesn't mean you're just gonna live in a ruleless existence you can make your own rules is the fear like you're like yeah. oh if i lose my morals i'll never have them there's a feeling as a member of the church that is inherently superior to people outside of the church. Mm-hmm. And so I did believe like my friends who were happy outside of the church, like had no idea what they were talking about. Like a, you're like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Of course you're happy. You're ignorant to be on the other side of it now and still find like your own path that like, is true to who you are which includes Mm -hmm. some stuff that's just goofy and mormon like i'm never gonna not like some of the cultural things that we all like totally acapella music (laughs) oh we love it (gasps) no i'm I'm not actually that big in acapella but like that is a there's all these cultural things and like i'm still gonna love uh mayonnaise well is that offensive no life continues and is joyful well like, and not just happy there is a discrepancy in the church between happiness and joy joy is like this dry lasting thing happiness is a one-off like you get a boost but you don't want to live yeah. you don't want to aim for just a happy you want that joy that comes from obedience and drudgery and i feel joyful without any of the other stuff sure. and it's really really nice you stepped into a world where you were admitting to yourself like I'm ready to make mistakes and be okay with it. Quote, mistakes. And to figure things out for myself and make conscious decisions for myself. Which really is what I want to get into talking about and what I hope we talk about in the next podcast and podcasts to come is the stuff that's going on currently. It's fun talking about the growing up and the weird twisted and how it applies. But like, we're both sexually active adults. Right, right. And like, the here and now. The here and now is exciting and there's no clean bow wrapped up on that as much as I'm like I'm so joyful and life exists outside of the church uh and I feel true to that oh the mistakes honey honey (laughs) that's a I'm like really interested in talking to you about like the current the current day and possibly talking to people with other experiences we can cut this out but my Mormon experience is just one version of leaving a cult right right and I said cult. well that's another thing like we these are only our experiences. We can't speak for anyone else. We we have toyed with, you know, I want to do my favorite game straight up to play when you meet people is Fuck, Mary Kill. And depending on the group that I'm with, I've played this with children where you're like, kiss, kiss, kill, marry, right? Like you just change it to kiss. 
and because like with teens, <laughs> not children. Sorry, with teens. You know, it's like my little teen cousins or something. We, like, we don't Mary. care that much about murder here. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, like I said, sex is worse than murder. What's our version? Definitely dry hump. Definitely dry hump. Um, Mary, but not just Mary. It would be like eternal companion or get sealed to. <laughs> get sealed to. Incredible. I think. I, my personal favorite alternative to kill is take space from. <laughs> That's the most appropriate. So we're going <laughs> to. Okay, dry so hump dry hump gets sealed to take space from. This it's is almost what it like is. dry hump could also be go to Olive Garden, but whatever. Okay, so we've got dry hump <laughs> gets sealed to take space from. I'm going to say we've got Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, and Ralph's, like a Kroger. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, oh, oh. Do you have your response? No. I would dry hump, I would dry hump Trader Joe's, get sealed to Ralph's no. and take space no. from Whole Foods. That's a curveball. I have my reasons, but they're Which for one? me. Okay. I was like, you don't want to share? Great. I, I would get sealed to Trader Joe's, just mostly for the cost of produce, because that's a reliable fallback. You never, never let me down. That's someone you get sealed to. The... I would, between Ralph's and Whole Foods, they both have like exciting things like that I would like stop by to get um, that would excite me enough like a dry hump. But the ones that really, really get me off, get me to that finish line would be from Whole Foods. So I am going to dry hump Whole Foods and I am going to kill Ralph's. I respect that. I respect that. I want to talk so much more about that. Like, we could literally go on forever, but I feel like we should leave it at that. Everything I know about Mormonism, I learned from you. <laughs> Let's keep it that way because I don't want anyone to cross-reference or, <laughs> or fact-check me, which, yeah, that's a whole other... Like, we should put, we put an well. asterisk at the bottom that's like, she is not a clergyman. All right. Well, I feel like that's it, Mads. I think so. That's the wrap on the first episode. We want to thank you guys for listening. And uh, I just want to say there are refreshments being served in the cultural hall. Great. And uh, everyone go touch yourselves today. (laughs) The Missionary Podcast is hosted by Sadie Blasucci and Madeline Sharton. Original music by Madeline Sharton. Please like, subscribe, and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at missionarypodcast or visit our website at missionarypodcast.org. That's right, we're an org. <laughs>